Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Strive Golf Podcast. Devin here with me again is my main man, my numbers guy, my my golf bromance, <laughs> Sean. What's up, dude? Not much, dude. How you doing? I'm honestly surprised you are with us this evening, Mr. Marathon <laughs> Man. Too. That's, me uh, too. I just oh, props to you, man. Props to you. You're gonna have to tell us all about it. How how you even survived that, honestly? Because I I don't know if I've run 26 miles total in my whole life. So okay. I'm, I'm 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 in awe over here, honestly. Yeah, yeah, me too. Honestly, I'm I'm probably more shocked than you are. But yeah, I'll get into that and kind of share a little personal, uh, physical, and probably more of a mental. Uh, victory and, and exercise that I experienced today. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we'll get into that. And then uh, kind of for today, we're kind of heavy on uh, just the golf that took place coming fresh off of the, the farmers. So we'll, we'll recap that, uh, share some thoughts, maybe some uh, controversial uh, takes on, on, on that. And then uh, we'll do some, uh, projections or some picks for, for this upcoming tournament for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which is always a good one. And then also a little bit on the, uh, the, the tournament on the other side of, of the pond uh, for the, the Saudi International. We'll kind of we'll go through that and have some takes there um, and then just kind of wrap up with, with some other uh, few little topics. But how does that sound? Anything else uh, that we have or we want to we discuss? Man? Um, no, I mean, I, I think we'll have plenty of detours come up along the way yeah, per usual yeah. jump into it it's always when that's that's when the good stuff comes is the the unplanned stuff so hopefully have some stuff but uh we're we're, we're recording this well past my bedtime too so i who knows what's gonna come about <laughs> this is when i'm, I'm just excited. i'm just waking up. i'm thriving at this hour man this is this is prime debbie time <laughs> uh but yeah, man, happy to, to kind of give a, a little brief uh, kind of recap on, on today. It was a, a big day for me, uh, something I've wanted, been wanting to do for, for a couple months now. I've been deep in some physical training, uh, running the Sun Marathon down here in, in St. George and Santa Clara. Uh, a lot of reasons kind of went into why I wanted to do it, uh, mainly just uh, felt a little stagnant with exercise and it was kind of just a random thought. And I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's do it. Let's test our stuff. I was kind of on a, a Jesse Itzler. I don't know if you know, Jesse Itzler, he's uh, he like owns the Hawks. Um, but he's big, like successful entrepreneur guy, but he's big into running. Like he did a, a mega marathon, like a hundred mile race and, um, wrote a, that book living with the seal with, with David Goggins. It was, it's really cool. So I read that. And so that kind of, you know, lit, lit the fire underneath me, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience man. like ups and downs and highs and lows, but ultimately uh, it was awesome. It started, the morning was, was early. It started at about four, uh, had to get stuff ready. had to do my, my little routine and, uh, and then the buses left at five 30 and drove all the way up to Vail. I don't even know if you know where Vail is, but it's like Northeast of St. George. It's way up there, small, small town. Uh, and we, we met up there and so we get up there, it was like 26 degrees, six o'clock wind is howling, like coming through the Canyon from Pine Valley, just degrees. That's, that's cold for you now. Oh, <laughs> body was shook. Like I did the first thing I did. I just booked it to the line of the Porter potty and just sat in there, tried to avoid the wind and just warm up. 
like I don't even care about you other idiots. I'm going in there. I'm, I'm peacing. So st- stood in there that I felt was an acceptable amount of time till people got a little uh, worried, but so that helped to avoid the, the, the freezing cold start. But yeah, it was, uh, and then off to the races at 7am and it was, it was, it was really good. Like, honestly, you know, spent like three or so months of some pretty intense training. And that was definitely the difference maker. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I honestly, I didn't really hit a wall. Like I, I so I ran a marathon a couple of years ago around the Ogden one and I hit a huge wall at like 21 and it was brutal, man. Like, and I was just so nervous about hitting a, hitting a wall, but felt like the nutrition was good. And, you know, I had some, some kind of some support from, uh, you know, maybe those that have gone before me, which was cool. Um, particularly I felt, um, my, my older sister who, who recently passed away, but I kind of felt her there. So it was a really cool experience, honestly. And yeah, didn't really hit a wall. Um, my amazing wife, she, she sat there at about mile 20, started about mile 23 and a half. And she, you know, had a new shirt laid out. She had some Advil, she had all the stuff I needed. So I put that on, took the Advil and that was like a fresh start. And so I finished, was able to finish really strong and, um, finished almost 45 minutes quicker than I did my first marathon. So that was, uh, that was really cool. And I really wasn't going for a specific time, but, um, just definitely wanted to finish as, as best I could, but yeah, man, it was, it was awesome. It was really cool and, and, a, a fulfilling experience to say the least. So, but got a gnarly, gnarly blood blister on my left toe. That is just, it is gross. It's, it's unruly. Um, so that was, that was a little painful, but other than that, man, it was, it was, it was great. The weather was great. How early did you start to feel that? Did, could you, did you know, like, oh my gosh, my toe is just oozing blood? Yeah. Unfortunately I felt it at about mile nine, um, honestly. And cause there was a few pretty, pretty steep Hills. And then there was parts where around some of the corners, the, the road is like slanted. And I think that's mostly just for like runoff, right. Till let that stuff run off. And, and so I was felt like I was running sideways like that, which did not help. And that's when, yeah, it was about mile nine where I'm like, like the rubbing in your Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was just, just a constant rub. And then I made a kind of a last second, uh, shoe swap the morning of, which is always a good decision. Uh, but I, I, so I had two pairs and, and the one that I was a little worried about, but I just, I feel like I can, I can run. I just feel like I can run a little bit better, but when I did a, a longer run in training, I, I kind of got a, another blister in a different spot, but I opted with those and even put like some moleskin, a little bandaid on it, but that didn't, that wasn't sufficient, but yeah. So I felt it pretty early, but I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get it. I can feel it. I, I can't switch socks. I can't switch shoes. So I just embraced it and just felt like I'll deal with this when I'm done. So <laughs> I was lucky to just power through it. So having, um, having seen the picture of your toe, I, my first thought was you just you got to amputate. I just that. chopped that thing off. <laughs> That's how I felt, honestly. It was yeah, but anyway, yeah. Thanks for asking. It was it was good and a, and a good experience. And if you ever want to test yourself, both uh, physically but even more so mentally, man, it's uh, it's you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. So yeah, that's, um, that's what I was kind of curious on. This is like obviously you know, like the physical challenges of trying to do something like that. But were you, I know this was your second one, but were you even surprised at how hard mentally it it was? 
Yeah, I think um, I would definitely say that the first one was harder, both physically and mentally. This one, I felt like, and even though I really didn't pull from my first marathon experience at all today, I really didn't think about it. I really, like now I am like reflecting back, but the morning of kind of leading up morning of, and even during the race, I didn't really pull from that. Um, Cause that was a whole different experience this time. I really felt like I prepared better both physically, but especially mentally. Um, I think the biggest difference is, and that's, this is something I wasn't planning to share, but you know, we've uh, me and you have kind of talked about it a little bit of just the, the power of, of kind of your mindset. And I call it visioneering. There's an awesome book um, by Dennis Deacon um, that, that's called visioneering. And it really changed how I view a lot of things. And, and so I was really specific on that and was pretty disciplined in, um, you know, visualizing myself, you know, like the night before. So last night I took about an hour and kind of wrote out in detail how the race would go. And as if it was a successful race and put myself in that present tense. And that was the difference maker. I can honestly, like, if I go back, I wrote it right here in this, in this book. Um, and when I go back and, and read it, there's some like specific things that I wrote that I like put in my mind's eye that almost happened exactly. So that definitely helped on the mental side. I feel like I was a little bit more prepared and, and was, was working through that. Cause obviously, right. Like, you know, the, the physical test is going to be there, uh, but the mental test can be even, even stronger, but felt like I worked that muscle every bit as much as I did my, my leg. So. And I mean, that's, I think there's a pretty, pretty good application to golf as well. Cause I have to imagine like if you're able to put yourself through that kind of mental test, um, have to think it's going to pay dividends like elsewhere too just knowing that you can do something like that right yeah yeah and I've, I've shared that with with you like some of my biggest take was like the the story I shared last time my victory story of, of the state I'm qualified I did the same thing you know the night before wrote it out was very in detail and very specific and um and it happened uh similar with with some other um you know golf rounds that I was uh you know kind of had a goal for so yeah, it's a, it's a great exercise. I would definitely recommend it for, for anyone like preparing for something or just any goal that you want to set and, and just visualizing yourself having accomplished it. Like what is, you know, what does that feel like? What is, what are the, you know, emotions you feel? What are the, the tastes? Like all those like really in detailed things, uh, it really makes a difference. And there's a, a powerful uh, aspect of that with, with your mind. And there's, it's backed by science. Like it's, it's called the reticular activating system. And it, it, there's videos out there that get very detailed into our brains, basically our filter and how we filter out our, our thoughts and ultimately our actions. So anyway, just a little side piece, but shout out to visioneering, man. It's, it's a powerful thing. And it's, it's worked for me almost batting a hundred percent to be honest. So. And fortunately my simple mind, uh, the extent of that visioneering for me is I'm thinking of the ice cream I'll enjoy later tonight. And I, that's usually successful. But hey, that, that's, I was going to say, you're probably batting a hundred there too. So that's good. I really wish. I mean, like, you got to start somewhere. Did you guys start working that muscle somewhere? So like, I mean, kind of like what we talked about last week where I just, I feel like a lot of my shortcomings in tournaments is just, I'm starting off from the beginning, like just expecting to fail. Um, I don't, I don't know why I do that. Um, yeah. But, and I can, you know, it's, 
you know, from my point of view, like knowing you, knowing your golf game, knowing like the, the skills that you have, like I've even seen that. And like, I wish you could kind of see yourself from like my lens because I don't know, I feel like you got to give yourself more credit, but there's times where I've seen that even just in more casual rounds where honestly, I feel like you hate the shot when you have an, when you're at, when you're just about to take at your takeaway, you already hate the shot. Like, and I'm like, Sean, you just got to chill, man. Cause you got, you got way more, more talent than I think you give yourself credit for. Um, so I've seen that. So anyway, for what it's worth, I'm a, I'm a better caddy. I'm just a better hype, man. I felt the, I've reaped those rewards too. So thank you. Ooh. No, that's a, so. uh... Anyway. It's cool though. Like, thanks for, thanks for sharing that perspective. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, you're in pretty, pretty rare company being a now two-time marathon finisher. So that's way cool. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, man. So let's, uh, let's talk farmers, dude. That was, uh, I feel like this is a great one to start at because I just feel like when I think of like Tory, um, for the farmers, or even the U S open, it just always seems like there's really good golf down the stretch. It always gives us some really entertaining things, playoffs. And, you know, once again, it, it pulled through. So what are your, what are your thoughts and kind of takeaways, what you saw? What are your. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say probably the uh, most exciting tournament of the year so far. Yeah, uh, I agree. Just with kind of quality of leaderboard. Um, like setting, it's always cool to have sort of a kind of evening primetime finish. Yeah. Um, and then pretty cool where it was a, a Saturday night finish as well. It's uh, that's pretty unique for golf. Mm -hmm. um, and they did that this year to try to avoid uh, NFL playoffs on TV. Um, Smart move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. And, and Tori's a pretty interesting course where, um the front nine is quite a bit easier traditionally than the back nine um so a lot of times at the back nine it's uh you got guys just trying to hold on um and i think you saw that a little bit today um just because i was i was looking back at some scores and they're just uh there weren't a ton of birdies made on the back nine mm -hmm. um and then uh, the, the guys that did find success on the back nine, uh, Luke list mainly, um, I guess no surprise to me that he ended up, uh, being in contention. Cause he was one where he, I mean, he shot low round of the day as it was, but he mm -hmm. really made a push on the back nine and, and made up a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, that yeah, was, it was fun. Cause he, he finished two hours, I think about before the, yeah. the rest of the leaders did. So Killing for two hours yeah. just had to kind of sit back and just watch how everything unfolded and it looked like at one point there were several different guys that would have a shot um but his 15 under number ended up holding up and getting him into a playoff yeah which i don't know if you thought this when when he finished i thought there's no way 15 under is holding like even though like i know like the back nine in that stretch is pretty tough um and i think just before that um, Zalatoris has hit like a really good drive on, um, I think it's 13, that, that kind of long par five. And I was like, ah, oh, I think he's got a birdie on lock here. Cause he just, he just stripes the ball. Like he's such a pure, um, 
you know, he hits his three wood really good. So I was thinking, I'm like, I just don't think that's going to hold up knowing he also had a par five. Like if he's driving it well, you know, he can probably birdie 18 too. Um, but yeah, I did not think that was going to hold up. Uh, and at least I just thought, I'm like, oh, that was a good run. Man, that bogey on 17 is hurting. But amazing birdie on 16 that he had, right? Like birdie bogey and then a birdie on, on 18 again to finish. Like that was that was clutch. And from the rough, like that on 18, when he, he goes left, hits his layup left in the rough. I'm just like, oh, dude, like with that front pin placement, how to get to that. That was that was tough coming out of the rough. But it, that just shows how freaking strong he is and the, the speed yeah. he's got. I don't I. I don't know if there'd be if there were too many birdies made today from that left rough. No, uh, just because it was thick, you have no room underneath that pin, and if you hit it fifteen feet or so past that pin, you get up on that second shelf. Yeah, uh, like Jason Day was the only one that I saw to make birdie long. Like he went long in that back rough, and I, my wife was actually watching with me. I'm like, I bet you this scares the water. Like I think it just takes off that that ridge and just goes right past the hole. Uh, but he played it way out right, which was like surprising. I thought he just totally missed his line, but sure enough, it kind of came back and then he made a really good putt coming back. But that was awesome to see Jason Day back, like kind of in in the swing of things. That was that was cool. I was, you know, I, I really like Jason Day. So that was cool to see him at least contend. That hole out was insane on 14. That was so that was you, dude. That was just a perfect sandwich number. Hits a pass, zips it back, cash money just epitome of a sean swing but he, when he hold that to get to 15 under yeah tie the lead yeah man I, I thought he was probably in the pole position um yeah but then i mean as with golf especially when you're playing a course with super narrow fairways like that he he was the very next tee shot he hit it way <laughs> right just no chance pretty Makes much bogey bogey yeah. yeah that was that was kind of tough to see but some of the things like uh, that kind of caught my eye, like <laughs> obviously speed, right? Like curious of, of, you know, the first couple of days, like have this high anticipation. Um, Cause obviously, you know, Max didn't make the cut, which was a, he had a good first day, second day rough. Um, but speed, I don't know your thoughts. I mean, him and him and Ricky just got punched in the mouth by the South course, but dude, his, his pre-shot routine it's a tough scene, like jarring. He, I mean, he's, he's having this huge exact exaggerated over the top slice swing with his, with his irons and even his driver, but particularly with his irons. And it's just, it's so exaggerated. It just, it just looks, it's it's just not a good look. And then he steps up and he hits a huge hook. He draws, he, he was drawing his irons and he was set up to draw it. So I'm just like, what is happening? Like, why are you practicing this, this huge, you know, inside out, like just totally hit this big cut and then steps up and then he hits a 10 yard draw. I was just, I was shook. So I don't know what he's trying, but you know, Hey, Spieth has a, you know, he, he's got a process and he's sticking to it, which is great, but just not so easy on the eyes from my perspective. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's got the resume. So it's like, okay, he obviously knows what he's doing. You just, like, yeah. I'm trying to think back of like the last couple of years. And I don't know. Like, I don't know what broke with him. Like if it's been like some facet of his game, that's like completely disappeared or if he's just gotten a little weaker in every area and it's just plummeted. I, yeah. It's, 
it's just hard. Like from my perspective is like, he's just, he's not a great driver of the ball. He's pretty, you know, sporadic, which is hard. And sometimes, you know, he's got kind of for a little bit there, he's having a two-way miss, which I personally know what that's like. And that's very hard to score when you got a two-way miss. Um, and not, none of them are, none of them are straight. So that's, no. that's, be hard to- <laughs> that's not a great combo. So with that, and then, you know, like he still is always like a, a good putter, but it's just, I think that's a, that's a tough place to come from with most of the courses that they play, like not being a long driver of the ball. And then also not like hitting any fairways ever. And some of those courses, you can kind of get away with it. Like last year at the Phoenix open, the dude was spraying it in places that I don't think they've ever seen balls hit like camera guys must've just been, they got their steps in that day, but he, you know, he, he was in contention and like, that was sick, but playing other courses, especially like Tory, man. Like if you don't, if you don't drive it in the fairway, like good luck. Like that course was just, it was playing tough and it just, yeah. So that was kind of my, my take on that. I always have a speed take, but that was, uh, that was a little jarring. Something else that's jarring. Speaking of jarring, Will Zalatoris' flat stick, man. <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I don't want to use the Y word. I'm not going to use the Y word. But just say, just say you've played enough golf with me to know what that kind of putting looks like. That's I'm not going to bring that up either. I'm a huge Zalatoris guy now. I love, I love uh, every yeah. bit about his game. I love the ball striking. I love yeah. the crappy putting. Hundred percent. I I love the guy. I've I've been I've been a fan of him for for a while. Me and um you know Gavin because I say he looks like our buddy Gavin you know, just a bean pole. And um, he does look like he's kind of putting on some weight, but they say he's up like 10 or 15 pounds or something. There you go. Oh boy. Getting, getting yoked, but it just, it was, I can so empathize and I've so been there and, but it was, it was just wild to, to see. The, some of the putts, man, were just so tentative. And so it's got like that last putt in regulation. It, it barely scared the club face. It was so toey and such a tentative stroke. Like if, if he would have just hit it with a little bit of pace, he would have hold it. But like, it just started tumbling, lost its pace and then just dove off. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. It was, it was just a little, little jarring, but anyway. He, he probably had, he probably had the round of the week yesterday because he shot seven under yesterday and he missed seven birdie putts under 16 feet and he's still not seven under so it's unbelievable that's my kind of guy i love him i just it was it was a little little shocking i know he's had some issues in the past like i don't know if you've ever seen that video from a couple months back of just yeah we won't even bring that up we're just we're not going to talk about that i just but to put it and this is kind of the only coverage take i have is our guy our favorite commentator Sir Nick, my gosh, put a lid on that guy. He, he, he put it, he elegantly put it as the, um, I wrote it down. It was so terrible. Uh, he referred to Will Zalatoris as putting, having the higgly wigglies. <laughs> I, I just unbelievable, man. The guy just never ceases to amaze me when it comes out of his mouth. <laughs> and, but my favorite though was, <laughs> Was Colt Nose on the playoff? Lukeless hits his drive. <laughs> Colt Nose calls it. 
and this is hammered right down the middle. Sure enough, <laughs> plugged in the right side of the bunker lip. Like, what are you talking about? So that was that was hilarious. Because on TV, you're getting the behind view, and they have the pro tracer, and no said that. And I'm thinking, like, like I mean, bro, I've, I've watched enough golf at Tory that there the ball is four, four right over there. That's that's not close to the fairway. Pull on JT, just. <laughs> Uh, I I couldn't help out. I like Cold Nose. Like yeah. he's got a cool podcast, and I listen to it all the time. And he's he's a funny guy. But that was that was pretty, that was pretty hilarious. So, last coverage take. You put me on to ESPN Plus to get uh, PGA Live, and uh, it was it was awesome. It was really cool, and I, I would definitely recommend it. I unfortunately got you know the local guy i don't even know his name he was just a, a local person there and and kind of lives in like the la jolla area and he was calling the the ricky and and spieth's featured group it was it was rough i had it eventually had to be moved to mute because he just he, he he was trying a little too hard but i know it's a hard job but i just man that it was it was noticeably distracting and I, I literally had to put on mute and just put my, you know, my, my lo-fi hip hop playlist on and, and vibe just, out to that. But I feel like, you should, I feel like you should know your audience. Most people that are paying money to watch golf on a weekday, they don't they need, really just want to see golf shots. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. hundred percent. Over everything, which is, I agree more we're talking about golf, but uh, from like good. a golf perspective. And just, and the, the paragliders, and how expensive the real estate is. It's like, dude, we we all know. You don't need to tell us. We get it. Uh, but anyway, so enough of the, the, the conversation. I thought overall, like it was a really good tournament. I thought they did a good job. And it, and it was, it was uh, well televised. So um, yeah, I, I shout out to Luke List. That's awesome. Fellow Grayson guy. Again, love Grayson. So that's, that's cool. And the fact that he's like 37. And that's his first, that's his first win. Like that's, that's gotta be some rough years there for a while. And you just kind of think, man, these kids, like dudes are just getting better and better. And I, I'm sure that that doubt can kind of creep in, but you know, he's, he's a hitter and he's stuck with it. And so I, that's awesome. I, I love that. And, you know, he's, he's family man, which is cool seeing his like little girl run out. And yeah. So anyway, that was, that was cool. I loved it. I loved it when, like the little story he gave is where his daughter was always saying, Hey daddy, when are you going to bring home a trophy for us yeah. or, or whatever? So yeah. That, yeah. That was awesome. That was, fun and that was like the first thing he said to her. I, I was watching that live and he's like, daddy finally got a trophy. I was like, that's cool. So yeah. Shout out to him. That was, that was good. That was kind of classic Tory and, and another, another good tournament. So. And I like, uh, it's cool just having Luke list and Zatoris dual it out. Cause I mean, Luke list, has traditionally not been a good putter either so it was kind of cool to see yeah guys up there simply because of their ball striking but yeah. um i think the reason that we really set luke list apart this week is he already had the good ball striking but then he actually put together a pretty good week putting um because i mean that putt he hit on the last hole of regulation cool. that was a pretty tough one um, yeah jarred it right in the heart right so, in the heart yeah super yeah. clutch and then I mean, fair fair play to him, too, because he stepped up in the playoff. His tee shot was plugged in the bunker, advanced it down the fairway. He got to go first before Zalatoris, and then he went and hit his wedge to 
six inches in the first hole of a playoff to get his first PGA Tour win. So yeah. that's uh, that was a sick finish. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of times with the golf tournaments, you say, "Oh, like that guy probably lost the tournament." I I think that I, I mean I I'd feel good about saying that I think Luke List honestly he went out and won the tournament honestly and agreed yeah thought it made for for better watching than kind of your typical uh, PGA Tour event. Um, just uh, man, I I will say every time I watch a tournament at Torrey Pines that Sunday pin on 18, I, for the life of me, do not know why anybody goes for it into your chances of making birdie. Yeah. I think are so much higher if you lay up because guys are so good with a wedge in their hand with that backstop. backstop yeah. Yeah. And no one wants to take on the water from 250, So they always hit it long anyway. Yeah. And if you get it through that green into the thick rough, that's such a tough up and down. Yeah. Like I said, to see Jason day make that and he kind of, yeah, like that was, that's not a high percentage. Um, and yeah, with that, I mean, it really is a funnel pin with a wedge. Like you hit, cause like you saw Zalatoris kind of took it a little further right and it still came down, angled down left towards the pin. Luke list, you know, he put it just behind it and it came straight back. So it really is like a funnel pin. So I don't, I, I agree. I don't know why they go for it. And you saw your, you know, your favorite, your boy, Team Rose, he tried and, you know, he, he put it right in the water. So with the disgraceful Jays on his feet, uh, what a shame, what a shame. But anyway, so yeah, it was good, good tournament. <clears throat> I, yeah, Tori, final thought on Tori for me, I got to get it off my chest is it's not, like I like it, but it's one of those courses where, it just doesn't show super well for me on TV because it's, I mean, it's on the coast and it's supposed to have all these spectacular views. And, but for some reason on TV, it just kind of looks flat. And a lot of the holes look pretty similar and you just, yeah, like when you're playing the course. You, you get the panoramic views, right? You see the ocean, mm-hmm. you see all that, but it's just, you don't really see it. I feel like on like coverage of a tournament there, um, which is always kind of a bummer to me. Cause I think it'd be one of those where it'd be like a ton of fun to play. Um, For sure. Sometimes it, it feels just a, a little monotonous to me watching it on TV, which is insane because it's sitting right on the San Diego coastline. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. That's just something. No, I that's, that's a good take. And I, I can, I, I totally get, you know, what you're saying and it, yeah, I, I think the only time that it's like, you kind of get a feel for that is a couple of t-shirts like i know four is a cool t-shirt like you can see the drop off into the water into the ocean but like when they use the drones like i feel like that is when they have some sick footage and they don't use them a ton but there are times where they'll take the drone out over the water and and kind of view it from that perspective and that kind of gives you a little bit more context to it but i agree it really can just kind of look like a, a park with with 18 holes on it and and also just a fader's paradise that was also something that kind of stuck out to me was if you can fade the ball there, you're in pretty good shape. So that course would destroy me. I would stand no chance. But like John Rom did, it's like it's just perfect every time. Just up the left left side, cuts it back, and and now like a lot of the things you can just take on the bunker and just clear it. So makes sense why he's always in contention. I thought there was a little scare there when he made that putt on 17, really similar to the putt he made at the U.S. Open. I was like, oh, he's only one back going into 18, and then he had a 
decent look. It spun back a ton, but it's like, imagine if that goes in and Rom is part of that playoff. Like, does that, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe just the intimidation factor could have played in. Cause I mean, it's hard to beat what Lucas did. I mean, he probably, I don't know if I had to bet my money on, I'd probably say John Rom probably makes birdie on that hole, but still, I don't know. You just never know, but he, he it was a little scare there. He kind of came back, which was, which was sick, but. Man, it was, it was wild watching Rom today. Cause I mean, just watching him kind of come away thinking like, he definitely didn't have close to his best didn't stuff. Play his best, yeah. He was pretty frustrated most of the day. I and he's that. still right in there. So I think shows I how mean, good he is. To me, he's the best player in the world right now. Yeah. Um, and there's totally. some. I wish I had the stat in front of me, but honestly, like going back to last summer, I think the Memorial where he had to force withdraw after having like a six shot lead, but then he tested positive. Um, <laughs> something like since then, however many tournaments he's played, just a tear. There's only been like a handful of guys total in all those tournaments combined that he's lost to. Um, and it's crazy because he's only, he won the US Open. I mean, he may have won another one, but it's like just top fives, top five after top five. Um, he's, he's on a tear. Um, it's just no weakness. There's really just, just no weakness. And that's like, that was like a take that I, John Rom used to, I'm not going to lie. I have to, to call myself out. I wasn't a huge fan of John Rom his first couple of years. I don't know. It was just cause you know, coming out of ASU, like, and he was just this, you know, this fiery, just seemed like he was just always whining. And I'm just like, eh, but the more like I get to, like, I, and he's been on more podcasts and like different interviews and stuff. And I get to learn a little bit more about him. And I, dude, I like him a ton. Like I really like him a lot. And like he learned English through like through rap through like Kendrick Lamar and just like I think that's that's super cool and I like that he's not like everybody else I like that he gives us something like when he hits a bad shot it's like okay put the camera back on him because you know he's gonna do something which I appreciate which I like uh, it's not just the the typical you know gentleman golfer which is a fresh fresh take but anyway so. Yeah, Tori was that's I think that's that's a good coverage on that, some good thoughts. And kind of leading up to a, you know, a similar, you know, with the tournament coming up this this week at, at Pebble Beach, you know, again, another instant classic, of course, we've seen a ton and uh, you know, have a have a couple picks. So how do you want to do that, man? I I do you want to just take, you know, just want to put a bet on on just a winner or just take like a top few? Like, what are your, what do you, what do you think? I, I've kind of, you know, prepared a few of folks I think will do pretty good and kind of like a sleeper pick. Um, but yeah, what do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think it might be fun kind of in the spirit of golf, just pick a foursome um, and then figure out a way of how we want to uh, um, like do the scores. If it's like a, cumulative score of, of everyone that ends up making the cut like if they, they need to make the cut for the score to count or something but yeah I like I to, to pick four guys um just do like a a draft um per se and and we'll, we'll track it that way maybe right. yeah so so they can't be the same guys then correct yes you pick someone i can't pick them correct yeah okay oh that's uh okay interesting i like that i like that a lot actually okay um you want to go first uh yeah i'll make the first pick 
I'm sorry, I'm just pulling up the field list for next week. Um, all right, so I, my first pick, I'm going to take Zalatoris. I think he played well enough this week, still on the West Coast. Pebble sets up well for a ball striker. Ball striker's course need to be deep, so I'm going to take him. I like it. My first pick in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am draft, uh, mine's going to go, I'm going to go with Maverick McNeely. I know he's uh, kind of a local dude there. He's played well there before, and, uh, you know, he's kind of under the radar, but, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be my first pick. I got, I got good vibes with him this week. All right. That's a good pick. All right. Number two for me. Um, like he had a great week this week as well. I'm going to go with Jason Day. Jay Day. I love it. Making a career, making a career revival. <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, uh, I'll go. My second will be, seems kind of like a, almost like a cheater pick because he's just so solid, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Patrick Cantley. Seems solid, right? Like it just, if you want a safe bet, you know, someone that's most likely going to make the cut, I got to go, got to go with him. Yeah. He, if, if Rom is number one in the world lately, um, you'd have to say Cantley's yeah. probably number two. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. So number three for me, I'm going to go Lonto Griffin. Ooh, he was on my list. Yeah, he played pretty well at the MX. Um, yeah. Hopefully he's in some pretty good form and uh, kind of sentimental pick. So he, when he was coming through the Corn Ferry Tour, they made their stop in Utah, and I volunteered up there. It's been like three summers ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So I was both Saturday and Sunday up there. I ended up being the guy that carried that manual scoreboard around that keeps track of the scores for the two players in the group. And That's awesome. both days just happen chance or happenstance ended up following him. Um, so I got to talk to him a little bit kind of during the round. And then after the round, they usually bring you back and sign some stuff for you and just kind of say, Hey, so uh, I've, ever since then I, I followed him and he's, he was a pretty cool dude, super down to earth. That's um, cool. uh, yeah, it's been cool to see him find success on, on the tour. So we'll see if he can pull, pull one out for me next week. I like it. All right. I'm going to go with my guy. I know it's a shame I waited till the third pick, but I'm going to go speed. Seems like, you know, he's won it before. He always does well last year, even again, through kind of battling, he, uh, he was he was up there and just made a mistake on on 14 i remember that because that was one of the holes that we were at uh on the grandstand on that par five which was sweet so i kind of really remember that hole and i remember he just totally misjudged like greller gave him the number and they went back and forth and he the mic caught it perfectly he's like no mike i don't think it's playing that far and sure enough hit it ended up short and he's like yep that was my bad and that that kind of cost him ended up not you know not birdieing that so yeah that's going to be that's that's my third. All right. Let's see. Final pick for me. I'm gonna go Seamus Power. He's had a pretty good couple month run, sort of all over the world. Um, yeah, I know he, he was in contention at the MX two weeks ago, but kind of faded that final round. But yeah. 
and go with him this weekend. See, does he still have his like the the sponsor power? Like, yeah, yeah. On, his, what, on his shirt. Such a cool, such a cool a, flex. Little soft flex there. I like it. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, my last. I have. I'm in between two. I was thinking, you know, kind of a, more of a sleeper. Low key is Kevin Kisner, but I'm 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 just I'm gonna go with the defending champ. I'm gonna go with with Berger. I think, you know, that's, he, he seems to be playing like somewhat like he, he finished okay today. I know he was playing and kind of towards the end of the, of the last group, but anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, let's see if he can repeat and, and, and contend again. So Maverick, Cantley, Spieth and, and Berger. Perfect. I'll, uh, I'll jot those down so we can revisit this can, when we record again. Let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, so you you have a pretty cool perspective because the U.S. Open you went to was at Pebble. Yeah. You've been to Pebble and you've walked Pebble. And you want to share any thoughts you had that anything that you gleaned from being there in person that you just had never noticed on watching it on TV? I don't – I mean, they, they do a pretty good job. I mean, obviously, everyone knows it's like – it's just like an incredible piece of property and the way the, the holes are and just – there's really no bad view anywhere and just the whole vibe of it. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. But again, I, and I also kind of share this, I was just, I was shocked with how small the greens are. So that's, that's one thing where it's always like, if you know, coming up with this tournament, like you have to, to strike the ball really well. Cause, and if you do, if you put on the green, like you have a pretty, pretty good look. Um, I mean, just some of those like number eight, I, that just seems like the hardest hole in golf. So you have six, the par five, which is pretty famous. And then obviously seven kind of signature, a little par three, number eight going yeah. cliff or whatever. Yeah. They have to lay up and then it always is a really long shot in and the green kind of goes down into the right and just a really small landing area, especially some of the pins that they have. And that's just like where walking that I'm just like, these dudes are on a whole different planet. Like it is insane what they can do with, with this. And it, you know, it's always right off the coast. It's pretty windy, but so yeah, like, just like, it really is. It's, it's just super, super difficult, really hard course, but yeah, just, just amazing. So um, yeah. And I, another hole is like number 17 that stood out. We, we stood and watched that for a little bit. Just that par three, that long par three, like just a beast we were only there for like a couple groups went by and i saw one par like it it's it's tough and then obviously the 18 finishes is incredible so yeah i it's, it's amazing i would love to play it someday and, and kind of get a feel for it but just walking it it's like man this is a this is a sacred sacred piece of property here so i always love to see it just a few extra you know context you get being in person yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I'd have to imagine anyone that's played any golf in their life. That's certainly got to be a, a bucket list destination yeah, for, for sure. sure. Uh, it lives up to the hype, at least just being there. But. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's the, I guess the official PGA tour event uh, going on next weekend. And there's also, I mean, there's two big events over in Europe. We have, <clears throat> kind of the European tour, they call it the DP world tour mm. now. So that still have that event next week. 
and there'll be some big names over there. But then the other one that we wanted to talk about that probably has the second strongest field next week is this event that's happening in Saudi Arabia that's uh, proven to be pretty controversial. Um, mainly, and we don't have to get in too much into politics. We don't want it. We- we don't want to get canceled this quick, right? Um, it's only episode three. <laughs> but basically, um, just a quick summary, right? Like Saudi Arabia has a very, very poor, uh, very poor track record when it comes to uh, base, basic human rights and uh, probably the best way to put it. Um, yeah. And uh, lots of people would make the argument that uh, they are using international sports competition to quote unquote kind of sports wash a lot of the uh, unsightly things behind the the government regime. Um, And so this has created some, I don't know, some drama that uh, you don't really see in golf a whole lot um, where guys that are PGA tour members have, um, accepted invitations to go play in the Saudi tournament um, on the basis of getting very mm-hmm. fat paychecks. Yeah. Very, very fat paychecks. Um, I don't know what the appearance fee is, but I have to imagine it's, you have to imagine it's at least six figures. Yeah. Probably. It has to be. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, the PGA Tour is actually kind of, come out again come out against the saudi tournament so it, they've sort of put out this little pr thing that's saying any of these guys that are playing in the saudi tournament need to make an appearance at pebble beach because pj tour considers this week's pebble beach tournament kind of one of their flagship events and so yeah. they aren't looking too kindly that some big names are choosing to skip pebble beach all in the name of um, i don't want to say it's all in the name of a payday but let's be but it's honest. all in the name of a payday <laughs> payday but yeah, it's pretty interesting because here, like, I've got the some list of guys that are, are playing. I mean, Phil Mickelson, he's obviously playing. He's not going to turn out a big payday. No. No comments there. No. <laughs> and you got Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley, Bryson, um, Louis Wiesthuizen. So these are a bunch of major winners. Bubba's going over there. Henrik Stenson's playing, Sergio Garcia's playing, Shane Lowry's playing, Graham McDowell's playing. This one was I thought was interesting. Tony Finau's going yeah. over to play. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. It brings up an interesting point where it's like, I mean, I, you could probably make the argument that a lot of these guys that are going over there like are probably just choosing ignorance is bliss, right? That's like, oh, just want to go play golf, want to get paid um gonna just selectively ignore all the other noise um but yeah i mean what what are what are your thoughts on on this whole situation yeah i mean you you summed it up pretty well and i i just the only word that comes to mind and i don't know what it's just yeah a little scummy that's the, that's the word that comes to my mind like because i know in the past like there's been like tennis players that have turned down seven figure uh, you know, exhibition type matches to go out there. Um, and they, they've just turned it down for the things that you mentioned. So I think it's just, it's interesting that, yeah, they just kind of branded as, you know, they just overlook it and Hey, we're just here to, to grow the game and 
you know, get some more exposure. And I don't know, I can't help but think it is, it's just, uh, you know, don't want to take it for that. I, I just don't, I don't think that that's, that's really where it is, especially like, and the biggest thing is Finau, like he's my, like he's my guy. I love Finau, one of my favorite players. And he's just such a good dude. And like, I just, what first kind of caught my eye was, I didn't really know about all this and like the fat appearance fees that they get all that stuff. But when you almost win the, the Phoenix open, you have a really good chance to, to, to do it again, that next year, that is when this tournament, you know, fell and he ended up not playing the Phoenix and going over it to, to play over there. And I was like, why would, why would he do that? And this is kind of when he was searching before he won this last playoff event, but that was kind of like a big thing. I was like, why would he do that? And come to find out, you know, it's, you know, he got paid handsomely. So I don't know. I think it's just a little scummy, but that's just me. That's very easy for me to say as just a, you know, a spectator and wanting to watch these guys play Pebble beach. You know, that's really easy for me to say, oh, shame on you, shame on you, which is really not fair, but that's just how I feel about it. And I just, I don't think it's, you know, think it's cool and i just don't feel like we've gotten a lot of like good answers besides they just kind of overlook it like oh there's really great things happening here and we're we're growing the game it's like well, really like i think that's where i fall is like i'm not i'm not gonna fault well I, i'm not gonna completely <laughs> fault people for chasing money um right at the end of the day their livelihoods they've got families they got to take care of themselves and this easy way to get money right um but just miss me with the all the pr growing the game like i i heard something like because bubba watson was asked about it and he gave some answer about he likes to travel and it's a chance to go to a new place or whatever and then he gave the growing the game spiel and it just this comes across so disingenuous to me because i'm like bubba you're you've got so much money. You can literally travel anywhere you want. Don't use a golf tournament as an excuse to travel and growing the game. Like, okay, whatever. Like you're going to a country that literally doesn't let women do anything. Right. Like it's such a, a male dominant culture. And it's just, I don't know, the whole thing, I don't know. It just kind of reeks to me. And it's, uh, I, I mean, fair credit. I gotta give props to PGA tour. They're, as far as I can tell, it's not going to air at all on Golf Channel or anything like that. So you've got to, they've kept it off their kind of main platform. So you have to go up kind of, I'm sure they're showing it. Like it's not going to be hard to see, but yeah, I, I'm probably not going to watch it all. I'll be honest. Like I'm not super interested in it. So yeah. And I think, it, and it's just interesting, like what's going to happen in the future with like these other competitive leaks. Like I know the PGL is different from this new. Saudi league that they're trying to, to get up. And um, it, it's just interesting to see where this is all going to net out. And because it's just crazy, the amounts of money that they're willing to pay these guys like every week, I want to say it was like, they're playing for like a $20 million purse every week. And they're only going to play like a handful of events and like their appearance, like the guarantee money these guys are going to get is like crazy. So again, for some of the guys, like it, you know, might make sense and i think they might get some traction like besides obviously the big names the rory's the you know the the 
Colin Morikawa was like, all those guys that are really trying to make like a legacy out of like the PGA Tour and doing all that. It doesn't really make sense for them, but also for like the the littler guys. Like I know um, Joel Damon just had. Uh, I really like Joel Damon, but he gave like an interview and he's like, I don't know much about it, but I know if I can set me up and my kids and my kids' kids you know, it might be of interest to me. So I think that they can get some traction with how much money is backing this thing. So it'll be interesting to see where it nets out and how it ends up and what the PGA tour is going to do about it. Cause I also heard that like, they wanted to ban players. Like if they do do that, like, and that, that's separate from the whole premier golf league. That's kind of happening. Like I know they're getting confused. Even some players don't even know that they're different. So I don't know. It's really in the beginning stages, but I do think it's something that is important to look at on how, what golf will look like in maybe even like five years. So anyway, it's, it just is interesting. And and I think of a take that not a lot of people are kind of aware of, but I think it's worth, you know, and exploring. I think, I mean, it's worth pointing out too, like the PJ tour is also not without its flaws either. For sure. Uh, like I think the players, a lot of like a reason that players are interested in some of these breakout leagues is just like you said, the, the payout potential is a lot higher um, because these leagues are focusing more on the players themselves and they want to pay the players more. Whereas like the PGA tour have a lot of sort of their, the corporate PGA people, like they make a lot of money, which is taking away from player pots and whatnot. And, but the players would argue like they're the reason the PGA tour is as big. Like there's a reason all that kind of broadcast revenue, all that stuff's coming in because you want to see professional golfers play golf. Right. And so they would argue like, well, how come like the PGA tour commission, like how come you and your how come you guys get such a big cut of the pot? Um, just kind of interesting. Cause you don't really think of golf as being similar to like, the NBA or the NFL or whatnot, but like, mm-hmm. this is an argument that seriously has gone on for as long as professional organized sports have existed. Like the cut, like the split between the money the players can make and then the split that the owners can make. Um, and it's such a fascinating dynamic because right. I, I would, like, I'm personally, I would tend to lean pro player. Um, yeah. But especially when they're the ones that are making the owners and the commissioners and all them all their money, like yeah. that's what's bringing in viewers. That's what's bringing in advertisements. Like so, and that's another argument is like that I that I heard was you know, a Joel Damon when he wins and he's making the same amount as a Rory McIlroy when he wins, and it's like well obviously Rory's bringing in a lot more people to the game than than him. But I, I that's just like another like side piece of like this is it's kind of like just an interesting dynamic and and what the tour is trying to do to to address that but and but it's like, funny because these guys make so much money right like yeah, it's, you, like you it's could insane. still play and they'll have devil, tiger to think but you could still play devil's advocate like the whole joel damon situation because it's like yeah he wins the same amount as rory if each of them were to win a tournament but then you can make the argument like well rory's banking 20 times more in sponsorship stuff right apparel deals and yeah all that other stuff he's got going at the same time like aren't those guys already kind of being taken care of as it is so why should why should they get to draw more on sort of the competitive field pot like shouldn't that one be like equal grab for 
everyone that's a PJ Tour member. So I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting and you hate because you want to watch professional sports just for to be entertained and to see winners and all that. But at the end of the day, it is, yeah. it is a business and Cash it's going to be about money. Yeah. And, and that's like another thing that just speaking of that, and this is something I just heard on the No Laying Up podcast. They were talking about how the the U.S. Uh, the Women's U.S. Open had just increased their purse, which is huge, right? Like that's and that's another thing. Like I'm really starting to get into to women's golf, and obviously it's because I have a little girl, and I just feel like it's such a great opportunity for them to get into it. And they have a local Symmetra Tour event down here, so I'd love for her to go there and just interact. Anyway. So that's kind of like, it's starting to, to catch my interest, but also like, that's a big deal that the, that the women's, you know, that their purse is being increased. So I think it, what is it like 10 million? I think is what I heard. Yeah. That's up over 10 now, which is, which is huge. And when they asked, <clears throat> excuse me, when they asked some of the PGA members about it, they're like, yeah, that's cool. And then they just went to kind of complaining on why their purses haven't really increased and how the players you know, which is the PGA tours kind of main event is up to 20 million. And why can't the, you know, the majors and the U S open be, you know, increased And it. It's just uh, same. It's just kind of not a great taste and not a good take to hear these guys that are making crazy amounts of money kind of complaining about that when it's like, you know, let's just, that's a different outlet that you can talk about, but let's just shout out the, the women's game for, you know, getting some more popularity, getting more funds, getting better advertisements and sponsorships and being able to increase those purchases. So yeah, cash is king and it is a business. So that's all kind of part of it. But anyway, those are, those are our takes and uh, you know, take it for what you will. Some people see it so opposite, which is great, which is totally fine. But those are, those are my thoughts at least on that. So um, some of the, more uh, recent news that uh, we've been seeing on the PGA Tour. Um, but yeah, that's about, that's all we wanted to cover tonight. Um, I know, Devin, you got to get ready. You're, uh, you're taking off to Hawaii. Now you're going to go hit that relaxation after the marathon. Hey, so. What a better place to recover than somewhere off the Pacific. So that's where I'll be. Yeah, so I'm excited <laughs> to, to hear how that goes for you. Maybe, uh, maybe next episode we can get into uh, how we feel about vacation golf or, or something like that. Yeah. And I'll have some kind of, I'll return and report and we got plans to play Turtle Bay. And so, yeah, that sounds good to me. I like it. All right, man. Well, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure to sit around right. and get to talk golf with you. Can't get enough of it. <laughs> All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll do this next week. Sounds good. Peace. Peace.